we're starting a new series today on, are you ready for this? The charismata, like a really cool word, but basically it means, it's where we get the, it's a, it's a Greek word, I'm sorry, yeah, just like geeking out on you for a second, but charismata, that's where we get the word charisma. It's where we get the, basically the definition of um, the theology of Granite Creek, the people ask us, what kind of church are you? What's your theology? What, you know, what separates you from other types of denominations or other churches? And we will say that, that you know, we just did one-on-one first service. Um, this is where you get this information on, the, on our beliefs and our values and the differentiations from, from other churches. And I'm not saying other churches are bad. We just have other emphases. And this is our emphasis. We emphasis the charismata. We are a this might make you feel uncomfortable, but hopefully after the after day you'll, 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 it will settle. We are a charismatic church. So does that mean that that we're weird? Absolutely not. <laughs> I know, right? Because you hear this. Maybe there's a few of you that are maybe a little off, but you know. <laughs> All right. But it, it, the definition of Charismatic is not weird. It means charisma. It actually actually means grace. We, we're, we're a church. We are a believer. We're a group of, of people that are, that are tapping into the, the, the charismatic gifts or the grace gifts. The, the actually, the, if you, we don't have time to like splice the Greek, but it's the charismatic gifts or the sign gifts are called gracelets. So think of it, we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts uh, it's bracelets, right? It's kind of a weird word. But think about bracelets, meaning that you put them on, meaning that you receive them. They're, there's something that the, the, the spiritual gifts are not earned. They're so vital. They're so key to the living out of your personal faith, but also the strengthening of the local church. We have to be functioning in our spiritual gifts. We ha- you have them. I, you know, when we do altar calls and we do, you know, um, has anybody dedicated their life to Christ today? You know, we have a pretty good number that you know, everybody's pretty much saved in this room. And that's amazing. But you need to know that once you cr- stepped across that line of faith, you received Jesus into your heart. You believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You get eternity and you get graced. Not just like, you know, what's the definition of grace, folks? You know, class, remember? Come on, class, what's the definition of grace? Unmerited favor. That's one little facet of grace. But grace is multifaceted. It is gifts. It is empowerment. We get salvation grace, that unmerited favor. But we also get stuff. We get Toys is the wrong word. We get spiritual gifts that we don't deserve either. And they come into our spirit the moment, the very moment of salvation. And some of us let those gifts sit there dormant our entire spiritual life. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how do we activate our spiritual gifts and, and wh- where do they come from. Again, it's, it's a gift. You can't go to a conference and get these things. You can't go to a seminary and get a gift. You can't go to a Bible study and get a gift. No, you get them unconditionally. 
but we do have the responsibility of stewarding them, of fanning them into flame, of putting them, be, letting them be activated by, by faith, getting some feet on these things, letting them not just bless our lives. The, the gifts aren't to make us look cool. They are to bless the people that you're sitting next to. They are to bless the people at your work. They are to encourage your family. They are to advance the kingdom of heaven, heaven on earth, in the everyday life. And you have that res- responsibility. You have that privilege. You've got this privilege to use God's gifts. And so what are they? So there's a couple of, it depends on who you talk to. Some say that there's seven. Some say that there's nine. And we're going to be looking at, um, I don't know, we'll, we're, we're going to spend this series looking at each one. So by the end of May, we'll go through the seven or the nine. It'll make sense. Right now, we're just going to do a flyby. We're going to do an overview. We're going to do basically why, it's, it, why we need it. Why the church needs this. It is vital, absolutely vital, in my opinion, that we activate them and that we use them. All right, so probably the best description of the spiritual gifts comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So would you just turn with me in your Bibles? Can I hear some paper? Go like this. Thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. You guys, if, if you have your Bible on your phone, like turn your sound up and so I can hear your scrolling, the little <laughs> clicking. That will help me too. Chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. It's going to go over the spiritual gifts. Um, uh, chapter 13, everybody knows chapter 13. Well, if you've gone to a wedding, right? If you've gone to a wedding, you've heard 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the love verse, right? Um, and it, the, Jesus didn't put 13 in the Bible for weddings. He put 13 in the Bible for leadership. You can, you can read it at, le- at weddings. That's completely okay because it talks about love and you can make it sound ushy and gushy and it fits, but primarily, the discussion about love is that love is the place that leadership flows out of. So that's what the, that's what the whole context of that chapter is. But let's go back to, to, back to 12, 13. Let's talk about these spiritual gifts because these are required for you as a leader, as a, as a steward of the gospel of grace that Jesus has given us. All right, here we go. Verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom words of wisdom, the gift of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge, or the gift of knowledge, uh, word of knowledge is another way to describe it. By the means of the same spirit to another, faith, or the gift of faith. Faith is a gift as well. By the same spirit. And to another, the gifts of healing by that one spirit. So all these gifts are coming from the same Source, that one source. So healing. Uh, healing is what we call a sign gift. To another, miraculous powers. Another sign gift. And to another, prophecy. Definitely a sign gift. 
and to another the distinguishing uh, between spirits. So the gift of distinguishing spirits. What does that mean? Uh, some of us have the ability, the gift, the gift of discernment, meaning that you can really understand. Some of it's intuition. Some of us have very strong intuition. And maybe you had a strong intuition before you got saved. It's different than distinguishing of spirits. Like you might be able to read somebody very well, read their body language, like get their vibe, you know, understand where they're at in their head, like, you know, what their state is. You know, you just, it, it just kind of comes naturally. You just, you're able to look somebody up and down like, oh, yeah, they're messed up. And, but that is not the gift of discernment, the discernment of spirits. So you, some of us, when we receive this gift, either this intuitive gets, gets like amplified this intuition gets amplified, and you're able to see and discern when a negative spirit or an evil spirit has influence or a positive spirit has influence. Are you ready for this one? There's a third, or a selfish spirit. You have a spirit, too. And so sometimes it's just the individual that you're just, that you're just in tune to. So anyway, we'll, we'll focus more on that one uh, in the series. Okay. And to another, this is the one that's really controversial that no one likes to talk about. To another, the speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another, the interpretation of tongues. So the, the gift of tongues, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, it's, um, it's the other side of the coin, right? And all these work... Excuse me. And all these are the work of the of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. And then he goes into explaining it. Talks a lot about wor- uh, tongues. Um, and then I don't I don't think that there should be a chapter heading of thirteen in this. I think it should just flow right into the next. So at the very end of chapter twelve, uh, at Verse 31, middle of 31, it says, And now I will show you the most excellent way. So basically, the thing that we need to filter all these gifts through, you can have, you can be gifted in a, min, in, in a number of different gifts. You can be gifted in absolutely amazing, like, I don't know, what, what, which one do you want to be? Gift of healing? You can be, we've seen this. this is, I, I wish I was God, because this is frustrating. I don't understand God. Like, you can, have the, you can have the spiritual gift of healing and you can function in that spiritual gift of, of healing and not be in the most excellent way, which the most excellent way is love. Yep. So this is, I, this is really frustrating because it's a gift and it's unconditional. Like you can actually, people function inside of their gifts and yet their moral life is at question. Why does God do this? He should have asked me first. Like I would say, you know what, God, only people can function in their gifts as long as they got their act completely together. Like there is, there is no failure in them at all. There's no sin in them. And then, and then they can earn the right to use their gift. And God doesn't, I don't know why. He didn't ask me. He doesn't work that way. It's just so, he's, really, come on. But what does that mean? Okay, so again, let's. We'll, we'll, we'll spend probably an entire Sunday talking about the gift of tongues. But that's one of them, like, right? Like some of us speak in this angelic language, right? We speak in it, or you call it, 
another way to be in a, in a static speech. Uh, we, the Mendes went through a class this morning um, on, on this, on, on functioning in the gifts, and specifically in tongues. And we, we, what we know about this you know, language is that it's for the edification and the building up for the self. Where, and again, it's a sign gift. Uh, where prophecy, the other sign gift, is for the edification and the building up of, the, this, of this congregation together. And so we get this a little confused here and there. And when Paul is writing to the Corinthians, he's, he's like writing to a very naughty church. Like they just don't have their act together. They're like all over the place. They are, they're drinking the communion wine and getting, literally getting drunk on it. Not drunk on the Holy Spirit. They're getting drunk on wine. The communion wine, come on. Um, they are, there's temple prostitutes. This is why it seems like he's really harsh on women. But there's temple prostitutes inside of the church turning tricks. We don't really get this when we read it, but if you put it into the historical context, you can really see why Paul is frustrated. And to make matters worse, there's some actually incestuous relationships going on where, you know, a guy is sleeping with his mother-in-law, and Paul is just like, Argh. and so they've taken all of these spiritual gifts, and they're like, it, it even begs the question if they even have them, because they're just completely out of control. And so that's, this is why he's instructing them. This is an instruction letter. And you know, if you read it, it's like you can almost see in your mind's eye, Paul's eye, like this nervous twitch. It's like, oh, he's like going to kill these guys. They don't understand. They don't get the most excellent way. They are not, this church is not known by love. This church is known by hype. And that's where charismatic churches get the bad rap. Right? You've seen them. You've seen them on TV. You've seen the charlatans. You've seen the people, the, the, you know, the prophets and the evangelists and the faith healers that have put a bad mark on this. This is why, you know, what kind of church are you? I'm like, well, we're a charismatic church. But we're not one of those churches, right? And this is, so we have to clarify it. It's like, no, this is, no, we, we're, we're, you know, we're an amazing church. We're, we're after health. We're after character. We want to be known by love. We want to be known by faith, not by the sideshow. But man, 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 we've got to have, we have to have all of these spiritual gifts activated. Now here's the rub. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you this information not to be divisive, but we have brothers and sisters in the faith that don't believe that these gifts are for today. That's why the cover of your bulletin says charismata. All of the gifts are for today. This is what distinguishes us from other churches because some other churches won't go there. Like, let me, let me read Romans to you and then, then maybe make a little bit sense. So Romans is the other set of spiritual gifts written by the same guy. And it's, it's really convenient because it's also Romans chapter 12. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, close to the same verse. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to, okay, please defile your Bible and underline this part. We have different gifts according to the grace, underline grace. This is the grace lit. This is the, the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him prophesy using it in proportion to his faith. Underline that. Underline proportion. Underline faith. If he is serving, let him serve. Okay? Spiritual gift of helps. Spiritual gift of serving. Hospitality, if you will. 
If it is teaching, which, is, which I'm doing right now, if it's teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously to Pastor Joshua. If it is... If it is in leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it is showing mercy, let him do so cheerfully. And then, this is an amazing thing that it's all continuous because the very next verse it says, love must be sincere. So again, and this applies to the fruit of the Spirit. Everything gets filtered through love. The, the attitude and the condition of the heart needs to be done from love. Okay, so uh, here's the point that that there's a... I don't want to say a division in the church, but there's a disagreement in the church about this verse and about the Corinthians verse. And they are definitely okay with, um, when I say they, there's churches that don't do the sign gifts because they don't believe that for today. But they think, they believe that the, the gift of helps or hospitality is for today. They believe in the spiritual gift of teaching is for today because all of these people teach, uh, and encouraging is for today, and giving is for today. So they're like, yeah, those are good spiritual gifts, but this other one, prophesying, we don't like that one, because that one makes us feel uncomfortable. And so this one doesn't apply. This one is not for today. I'm not quite sure how they, like you can do some internet, you can do some research, you can Google this stuff. They've got ways of, of des describing it. I'll give it to you in short, but they're okay with the spiritual gift of leadership. They're okay with the spiritual gift of teaching. But the spiritual gift of healing, they're not okay with. The spiritual gift of prophesying, they're not okay with. The spiritual gifts of signs and wonders, they're not okay with. And the spiritual gift, and again, this is the one that, that confuses everybody, the spiritual gift of tongues, they're definitely not okay with. And they say that these gifts were only used during the first century by only the apostles because the society and the church was in desperate need, and as soon as those guys died, and as soon as we got this thing bound in print, therefore we no longer need God's power in our lives because we've got a book to show it. See, this is where I, this is where I differ, and I don't want to be divisive. So I'm going to just tell you what I think. I think we need God's power in our life, and I think we need all of the gifts. And, and I think that it's un... I don't think it's good hermeneutics to say, okay, well, we like the gift of leadership, but we don't like this gift. Even though they're in the same, ver same chapter, we can just like, eh, that one doesn't apply today. That gift ceased. All right, so here we're getting nerdy. So the, our evangelical friends, and I guess technically we fall under this umbrella of evangelical Christianity. I'm not quite sure. I don't know. This is, like that whole term is like changing rapidly right now just because of what's going on in our current culture. So somebody might ask you, if you are you an evangelical? I, don't, I, I think it's okay to say, I don't know. Because no one really quite knows what the definition of evangelical is these days. So, if we adopt this charismata, this charismatic definition, it separates us from a large body of our brothers and sisters because they say that these gifts ceased. That's where we get the term cessationism. It's a theological term that's 
you know, theologians came up with, meaning that they, they ceased, that we, don't, we no longer need the gift of prophecy. It's not useful anymore. We, don't, we no longer need to see people's bodies healed anymore. It's not useful anymore because we got it together, and the world's not that bad. I don't know about you, but I think the world is kind of bad. In the first century, it seemed as if the world was going down. And, it, you know, it seemed like hell in a handbasket. Does it feel like that today? I don't know about you, but I need God's power in my life. I love my Bible. I love it. I love the Word of God. Like, when I read it, I am divinely inspired because God's Word says in 2 Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting in all righteousness. So that is kind of a little bit of a problem because the Word, if, if that's true, then why is all this spiritual gift stuff in there if it's not useful for us? It is useful for us. You know, if this book is inspired by the Holy Spirit, why is there so much confusion over these sign gifts? Well, we like this one, but we don't like that one. Well, this is an inspired work, divinely inspired, without error. Without error. So why is it in there? Why is all this miracle stuff in there? Why are all these signs and wonders in there? Well, I mean, when the, when we, we'll get in, maybe we'll get into the offices later. Because some of us are called to be pastors, and some of us are called to be prophets, and some of us are called to be teachers. And you ready for this one? Some of us are called to be miracle workers. They don't talk about that one. I don't talk about that one. We don't have a class for you to become a miracle worker. I don't know what that means. I just know that we probably should ask we should probably lean into it a little bit. What does it mean to function in your spiritual gift? Do you know that you, that you have them? Do you even know what they are? Have you tried? And again, I think that a lot of us have had them, but we just haven't taken the time to activate them. Why? It's because it's hard, because it's risky, because it's difficult, because you don't know what specifically will happen. And, I, and I'm I think the story that of, of Bartimaeus is a great indicator of our human condition, of our spiritual human condition, as to as what it takes, the, the, the hunger, the spiritual hunger that it takes to move forward into what God has called us to do. Not just for ourselves, but for each other. These gifts are for each other. Prophecy is for each other. And again, I don't think they ceased. And I don't think that this story would be in the Bible if God is not calling us to step out in faith and to use these gifts. So this is Mark chapter 10. This is the story of blind Bartimaeus. You might know it. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 40. And so they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So the condition of his heart, he gets it. Of course he's poor. He's blind. His life stinks. He is crying out for mercy. 
I mean, that seems like that would make sense, but you need to get this. He's crying out for mercy. He is, he's, he's positioning himself to get Jesus' attention because if he doesn't, Jesus just might walk by. And Bartimaeus wants something. When he, okay, many rebuked him. I don't know, I would really love to know who the many are. Okay, so Jesus is with his posse. His disciples are following him. They're going through Jericho. And so, again, we don't know who the many are. Maybe, maybe it's his guys. Maybe it's the disciples. Because this isn't the first time they rebuke somebody. Remember when they're like trying to kick the kids off of Jesus' lap? Right? So it's not outside of the bounds to think that maybe his disciples are like, dude, shut up, sit down. This is who these guys are. Like, hey, kids, go away, get away, get out of here. Many rebuked him and said and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man. They said to him, Cheer up, get up on your feet. He is calling you. So we make sure that Jesus doesn't pass by us, but the biblical truth is that he calls us. Like he's calling us, each and every one of us, but he's also walking by at the same time. He's calling you. The reason why your spirit has this desire to reach out the reason why your spirit says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me is because he, first he has called you. He's calling you. Get on your feet. I get this. In verse 50, he says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. This is, okay, this seems, you know, whatever. So he threw his jacket off, right? And he came to Jesus. He jumped to his feet. Okay. First thing that goes on. He gets Jesus' attention, and there's, there's people around him. It most likely was the disciples. They said, you know what? You need to shut up. Be quiet. Sit down. Ready for this? Basically, what they're saying is, don't get your hopes up here. You're blind. You're poor. You're destitute. You're in a really bad situation. Just stop, because nothing's going to happen. Don't get your hopes up. And he continues to call out to God. He's going, I'm going to get his attention one way or the other. And then the language changes. I, I'm, I mean, and again, I think it's the disciples that are saying, you know, be quiet. Don't get your hopes up. This isn't for everybody. Jesus doesn't do this for everybody. So there's nothing special about you. And Jesus probably gave him a look. Maybe a little of instruction. I don't know. This is my imagination working. And then, the, then, then the, the message changes. And then they say, okay, cheer up. Change the way that you think and get up. And, and he does. It, it went from, you know what, don't get your hopes up, to get your hopes up. Stand up. And as Bartimaeus stands up, he takes his cloak off. Now, um, in the ancient world, they didn't have welfare. They didn't have a welfare system. They didn't have a food stamp system. 
There was no way for, for you to, you know, get a check from the government in the ancient world. No, this was your check from society. Was you had the right to sit in the gate or in the square and beg for money. And what, what scholars think is that you got, a, you, got a, you got a cloak that said that you had the right to do this. It's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, when musicians are playing in the city, some of them have to get a permit to do it so you can throw your money in the, the guitar suitcase. It's the same idea. So Bartimaeus had the right, and he had the special jacket that said, I have the right to stay here and beg and get financial assistance from the community. So basically, it's their welfare system. So Bartimaeus gets up, and he takes off his welfare jacket. Wow. Do, you, do you know what's at risk here? Absolutely everything is at risk here for this guy. And he hasn't been healed yet. He hears the call of Jesus, stands up on his feet, and before he gets his breakthrough, he chooses to cheer up and shed his identity he takes off his identity as a beggar, as somebody that is dependent on welfare. He gets rid of his poverty mentality. And then the next part, should I read it or should I just say it? The next part, I'll just say it. The next part, as he goes and walks to Jesus, you're not going to like this one. Jesus says, what do you want? Here's the, I mean, okay, think about it. What would Jesus, if Jesus was standing right here in front of you today, and in a sense he is, he knows exactly what's going on in your head right now. He knows every thought that you're thinking. He even knows what you need. He knows where you're hurting. He knows where you're lacking. He knows where you need the breakthrough. So he knows what's wrong with you. And he has a better understanding of what's wrong with you than you do. And yet, as he's standing face to face with Bartimaeus, he says, what do you want? Don't you think it's obvious what Bartimaeus wants? No, but you see, the question is vital. The question is so important. What do you want? And Bartimaeus says, I want to be healed. I want to see. I want my sight back. And, and, you know, in his mind, he knows what's at stake. Because when he gets his sight back, he doesn't get the government check anymore. He doesn't have the right to beg anymore. He's got to, you know, he's got to make his own way in this world. He's got to get a job. He's got to provide for himself. It, is it going to get easier or harder after Jesus heals Bartimaeus? Is his responsibility in this world going to go up or is it going to go down after God gives him his breakthrough? This is tough, right? And Jesus is asking us the same exact question. What do you want? And if you actually get what you want, if you get the blessing that I'm going to give you, you know what's attached to it? More responsibility. You are responsible for stewarding your blessings. You're responsible for stewarding your breakthrough. You're, you have a testimony that you're responsible in declaring. You can't just get your, your miracle and not do anything with it. You can't get your miracle and remain passive. 
You have to get your hopes up and let it transform your life. Because if you don't, you just might not get another one because you're not stewarding the miracle well. Does that make sense? He says, what do you want? He says, I want to see again. I want to see again. And you know in the, in the, the, the exchange and the glances, Jesus is like, basically, do you know what's at stake? And he says, yes, I do. Go, said Jesus. You ready for this? Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I want, you know, who knows what happened to his life afterward, but here's the amazing part. It was his faith that healed him. It was, uh, I thought Jesus heals the sick, not the individual. Uh, there's some type of, I don't completely understand it. I've been studying physical healing a long time. And the word of God says that it is, it's his faith that healed him. So there's, there's something about the increase in our faith, the activation of our faith that basically allows Jesus to move, that allows Jesus to function. Faith is, this, is, even this activation of faith, this increase in faith is what's required for you to be um, legitimate with your gift. Faith is, is, is required for you to be an expert at your spiritual gift. Because if you don't have faith, you're going to just level off with that spiritual gift at the point that it was given to you, at the point that you maybe exercised it a little bit. Like if you don't risk again, it's not going to go up to the next level, and you're not going to be able to bless your community. A while ago, I was, I was in a... Uh, I don't know what to call it. Uh, I don't know, one of those weird charismatic meetings. Is that okay? All right, so this is where they, they, were, they were intentional about going after the things that we're talking about today. They were like, okay, this is, this is that type of meeting. So this is the meeting that, you know, we're going you know, gonna, to gonna pursue God. We're going to seek his gifts. We're going you know, to prophesy. Do, do you even know what? I mean, prophesying is just declaring what God is doing in an individual. Uh, the, the, the spiritual gift of prophecy is to encourage the church. The temptation when you're, underst- when you're seeing things in the spirit is that you might see everything. You might see the negative. But declaring negative stuff is not prophesying. Prophesying is encouraging the church. So there's, there's a responsibility to seeing in the spirit. So anyway, um, so this is the type of environment where these things were going down. This is the type of environment where, where you go and this is what you expect. Kind of like, you know, when you, I don't mean this in a negative way, but like when you turn on TBN, you know what to expect, right? And so, um, the, I'm not quite sure what he, is, what he was. He was either a prophet or an evangelist or faith healer. I'm not quite sure. Um, and he was, he was functioning in his spiritual gifts, and he was stretching his spiritual gifts through, through the means of risk. So he was willing to step out in faith, willing to be embarrassed publicly, willing to be wrong about the impressions that he was getting on uh, his heart for people. But there's only one way to find out if you're wrong or you're right, and that's actually to give it a shot, to give it a, to give it a spin. You're not going to know your car's broken until you take it around the block. 
Um, and so, okay, so one of the, the gifts that we'll look at is the words of knowledge and the words of wisdom. So basically, that's it being able to, to know what the individual's needs are in the room. And, you know, taking all the weird spiritual stuff aside, many of you function in this gift. You're talking to a friend, and you know what's going on in their heart. You know something specific about it. God's telling you. He's highlighting you. And you're able, you know how to pray, and you know how to encourage them. So that's like a word of knowledge, word of wisdom. They're different sides of a coin. We'll, we'll, we'll define it a little bit better. But so what he's doing, he's like, he, so he's functioning in a word of knowledge so that so the, the, the gift of healing could be released. And so, I don't know, like, like I, it was probably a room like this, the size. And so he would look at a, a certain section of the congregation. This is a good place to start if you're kind of scared about, you know, functioning in the gift of knowledge or whatever. And he said, okay, somebody over here in this section, you got something wrong with your knee, you know? So he, he, he was, he had an honest, an honest conviction that there was somebody in the room that had a knee problem and God wanted to heal it. So he's doing this blanket statement. Oh, we have somebody over here who's got a problem with your knee. And, and an old lady mustered up all the strength that she had to stand up. Easily over 95. Easily. And you could, for a flash, you could see this guy's eyes like, oh no, right? And then he sucked it up. And he's like, all right, let's do this thing. Let's, let's you know, let's pray for this lady. He's like, come on the front. Let me pray for you. You know, she's trying to, you know, getting out of the chair, getting, you know, really working hard to get up there. And, you know, it just, as you could see it, it wasn't just her need that was bothering her. It was just like just about everything. And, and, and sure enough, it's like, so, what, you know, what, what's hurting in your body? And she's like, honey, everything hurts in my body, right? So literally, this lady's whole body was hurting, and she even went through the, lit, you know, went through the list. Oh, I've got, you know, I've got arthritis, and I've got kidney failure, and I got this, and I got that. So she's going through this list of everything that she's got going wrong with her. So, like, in this, in this setting, it would be really easy to give a word of knowledge because she's got most of them, right? So it's like she's got almost every single physical ailment that you could possibly think of. So the knee was just one out of many. And this is horrible, folks. This is going to show you a little bit of, like, my problem, right? The, the, the darkness that's in my heart. Because I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing, right? This is embarrassing. Like, she's not, like this lady could literally die, like now. Like she could die tomorrow. You know, this is, this is it's embarrassing. I got, and this is, this is the horrible thought that I had. God, why would you possibly waste your time? Like, like seriously, so let's just say, let's just say you heal her knee. Like, she's going to die tomorrow. Why not heal somebody that's got some mileage left on their lives so they could actually do something for you? This is the horrible thought that I'm thinking, right? I told you. I told you, like, I got problems. That's one of them. It's that cynical nature, right? Look, and I'm a student of healing. I love it. I'll eat it up all day long. And 
we're about relationship with Jesus and not religion here. And I want to encourage you just to lean in and, and so that you actually hear God's voice and you, you can recognize Jesus' voice when he speaks to you. I'm not quite sure if this was a gentle rebuke. No, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a gentle rebuke. But Jesus spoke to me as a son, and he said, son, this, this nasty, cynical attitude, this is what keeps people from growing in faith. He says, you have it right here in your heart, and you've been a, you've been a student of healing, you know, as long as you've been healed. He says, but this attitude that you have is wrong, and if you continue in it, you're going to limit what I can do because this is a lack of faith. You and your nasty little attitude is a lack of faith. And he says, I can choose to heal her knee or not, but the truth of the matter is, if she does die tomorrow, she will die in her faith and not in her doubt. And so how do you want to die? Do you want to die? If you got hit by a bus tomorrow, Joshua, that's how the Lord speaks to me. <laughs> kind of like my grandma. uses my full name. Joshua John sometimes. If you die tomorrow, are you going to die in your faith or are you going to die in your doubt? The healing is irrelevant. What matters is your faith. So she's, she's choosing to die in her faith right now. So how dare you mock that, right? Doubt is a natural process of our, of our, of our walking out of faith. So if you've, if you've ever doubted, I mean, come on now, when you doubt and when you have doubted, it, it is, it is that faith is a choice, just like the guy in the Bible that has having the conversation with Jesus. He says, Jesus, I believe, but, but, but forgive me of my unbelief. Heal me of my unbelief. Change the attitude of my heart so that I can continue to, to move and grow and to express faith in my life. And so one of the things that keeps our spiritual gifts dormant is just allowing that little space inside of our heart that is of doubt and not of faith. Faith takes the risk. Faith requires action. Faith requires getting up and standing up. Faith requires taking off an old identity, whether it's an old cloak of self-shame, whether it's an old cloak of my party life, whether it's my, the old cloak of, of you know, beating yourself up, whatever your old cloak, your old identity. And the reason why Jesus says, what do you want? What do you want me to do? The reason why Jesus says that, this is going to be very difficult for some of us to hear, and I, I mean, you need to Please, 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 please. I don't understand why people don't get healed. I just know that God's out to increase our faith. But sometimes when Jesus asks us that question, what do you want me to do? Some of us don't actually want to be healed. Either physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Because their identity is too wound up into our, our afflictions. So let's leave the physical stuff alone. Some of us, our, our identity is too wound up into the drama in our life. Like the only way that we're going to get attention in our life is if we have a dramatic life, like everything goes wrong. 
right? We, you know, and so therefore, I'm just drawing attention to my life. And that's your cloak. It's the, the self-deprecation. It's the, it's the, you know, oh, woe is me cloak. Uh, can we just get rid of that? Can we just take off the old woe is me cloak and quit being beggars and take that risk and step out of faith and start making our way in this world? And I mean that in a spiritual sense. So that's the hard question now, isn't it? Oh, man, I'm blind. I can't see. I'm a beggar. If Jesus actually heals me, I actually have to get a job. It's the demand that's put on for my healing. Oh, man, if I actually get this, if I actually fan this gift of prophecy into flame, that means I'm going to be responsible for it. That means I actually got to use it and try and encourage people. And I could be wrong, and I could be humiliated publicly. You know, Jesus is saying, do you really want this? Can your ego handle rejection? Can your ego handle correction? As the Bible says, in similar, close to the verses that we read, that all, all prophecies are to be judged. All of them. All right, let me give you a little bit of advice. If somebody speaks into your heart, speaks into your life, You've got the responsibility to judge it. Like, just don't receive any word of knowledge given to you. The good ones are the bad ones. Don't, don't just automatically receive it. Oh, I just see in the mind that, that Jesus is going to make you the president of the United States. Right? It's some irresponsible person that's throwing stuff off. To just, it's just dumb. So you've really got to say, all right, am I to, am I to be the, the president of the United States? Or is that, was that guy saying that in the flesh? You have, you have a responsibility to judge this stuff. Physical healing is the same thing. You've got to... All right. Let me get the band and the ushers to come to the front. It's testimony time. You have the responsibility to steward your healing through faith. So you have to tell people when God did something in your physical body. You're required to. It's... There is power in the testimony you've been praying for something and you know whether maybe it's that financial issue the financial breakthrough the job you've been praying for something and then you finally get it and what do we usually do as humans we forget to thank god for it it's like oh look at me i made it happen right no you didn't make it happen god made it happen in the area of a relationship that's broken that's fragmented that's, that's fallen apart it needs a miracle. How many people need a miracle in a relationship? Do you know that that's just as spiritual? That's, such a, that's just as so much of a win as coming out of a wheelchair? In some cases, uh, miracles in relationships are probably more miraculous than a physical healing these days. But they can take place. So what is in your heart? Is it faith or is it doubt? If your heart was on a scale... What's going to outweigh the other? Faith or doubt? Faith or doubt? Do you want to die? How do you want to? I got, I got like, you got a 99% chance that you're going to die. All right, I'm sorry. That's just the reality of it. When you're 100 years old, do you want to die in faith or do you want to die in doubt? 
went to a funeral a couple weeks ago, and the guy was 55. You know, he went to heaven. I just don't know if he went to heaven in faith or in doubt. Right? So where are you at? All right, so, um, so we'll do testimonies after, after this last song. So uh, let's just pray. Would you stand with me? God, right now, we just thank you so much for the moving of the Holy Spirit and the work and the quickening. And God, we thank you so much that you gave us spiritual gifts. Jesus said, I'm leaving this place. I'm leaving this planet. Everybody's freaking out. I'm leaving. Don't go, Jesus. We need you. So no, I'm sending you something better. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit that's going to be living inside of you, that's activated, and through this Holy Spirit, you will... The end of Mark says, these signs will follow those that believe. They're going to do these things. All scripture is God breathes. These signs will follow those that believe. The sign gifts will follow those that believe. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to raise the dead. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to prophesy. You're going to speak in tongues. I'm not saying you have to do all of them. You need to do one of them. The Bible also says that you can pursue them. So God, right now, as a congregation, our prayer to you is to help us, give us that, that hunger for your, for your word, that hunger for these gifts so that we can be who you've called us to be. Quicken us right now in the Holy Spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us. God, in our, in our spirit, may we not just let you walk by. In our spirit, may we call out to you. May we call your name. God, in our spirit, may we know your voice. May we recognize your voice when you're speaking to us, when you're correcting us, when you're encouraging us. May we know your voice. Take us into a casual conversation with you today. Relationship, not religion, Lord. And God, right now, I just pray you just bless this offering to its full extent. Give us the, the insight to see beyond our circumstances and to see what's going on in the kingdom of heaven. I pray this in your name. Amen.